Amen. Well, a few things I just wanted to ask you before I get to, to preaching here uh, to do. One is be praying for um, Bethany and Andrew and all of their children, and then Kim and Kendra and her, one of her kids, Tate. They're all on their way back from being over at Kenya at the orphanage over there. And, uh, well, it's not really an orphanage. We have a feeding center there, but we have a ministry going on there. Has been always going on. Uh, but anyway, they've been over there, and they're flying back right now. I talked to Ivan just literally before I came to church. He always cracks me up. He calls me, what are you doing? I said, it's Wednesday night. I'm going to church. Oh, yeah, it is Wednesday night. Because <laughs> it's like when he's not in church, he didn't know what day it is. And so I was like, yeah, we got church tonight, brother. But... Uh, Anyway, so they're flying, and it's like literally from Kenya to Amsterdam. It's like a 10-hour flight, and then from there they got to fly back to Atlanta, and he's picking them up tomorrow sometime. So they're going to need all the Holy Ghost they can get. Amen? And so the other thing I wanted to tell you all is if you've been getting some, if you have the phone app, the Waterhole phone app, you may have been getting some notices. And so I want to explain to you what my daughter has done. So... Um, it's so hilarious because she has a she has a friend who's also a military wife. Is this not being recorded? Am I recording right now? It doesn't matter. Anyway, so she's a she's they're friends, and so she's the girl has become real excited about Jesus. She's been ministering to her and all, so she's using the phone app, but she's never used anything. And so we're using her as the guinea pig to say, well, what did you do? How did this work? And did you like that? And what is this? Doing? And so Darcy's coming up with all these ideas. So anyway, what's happened is that she created, if you go on onto the app, there's a, a weekly wisdom. And if you click on it, then there's a new deal there that gives you the messages that are going over the KCTA radio station at a corpus. So, because you see, she develops those messages, because those can only be 15 minutes, and y'all know I never <laughs> preached for 15 minutes in my life. And so she edits them, and she cuts and chops and, and creates the 15-minute messages, and they may be, uh, they don't follow a series. They're not following the series that we're doing here in church. They're just, she's just developing it from all the archive of, of stuff. So if you get the message and you get what 15 minutes were played, if you just want to, can listen for 15 minutes, you click on there, you get the radio broadcast that broadcasts that day over KCTA. But if you want the whole series, like, oh, that was an interesting message. I can't, that was a good one. I forgot about that series. I'm going to go listen to it. You just click over on the SoundCloud app, type in the message, search it. Boop, it pops up out of the archives that Jake and everybody's got piled in there, and it pops up, and then you can listen to the entire series if you want to. So that's what that's all about. So we're trying to do a new twist of, of uh, uh, getting the word out. And then she changed up some other stuff uh, because we, we it's just so hilarious. It's just human beings. We took off all dates off anything. Now, I guess the message that comes up, the weekly has a date on it, and the plan has a date. But like the words of wisdom, so like we took off all numbers, all dates off them, just put pictures. And it's just got like a, just a ton more traffic because everybody's like, oh, it's a pretty picture. What does that say? You know, it clicks on it. I'm like, wow, we're a, some kind of a generation, man. I, you know, let's go click on the pretty picture and see what it says. But it works. 
And so praise God, so that's doing good. So that's what that's all about. And then we've had like uh, just an unbelievable miracle in the last five days. There's been like 124 new downloads of the app. There's 865 people have downloaded the app. Jake told me that the broadcast, the, the website broadcast and all that, going out up 20% from last year. So, you know, praise God, it's building, it's building, it's building. I just believe it's going to reach people. It is reaching people all over the world, I mean, already. But it's just going to keep building and keep building. And so, anyway, so if you get those little notices that says, listen to the radio broadcast, the Waterhole radio broadcast, that's what it's doing. You can get it off the app. So she's kind of pushing all of us. So anyway, praise God. So I want to share something with you tonight, and this is not really the, the kind of message I usually preach, but I'm going to preach it tonight because this is really a prophetic message, and uh, I, want to, I want to share this with you because I have been stirred for literally a long time that God's about to do something, and I don't know what, and I haven't, he hasn't been giving me any, any hints until recently. And so what I want to do is I'm going to go through the Bible. I'm going to show you some things and about when God just did something sovereignly. And then I'll get into what, I, what I, I'm going to see. So go to Genesis chapter 3. Oh, by the way, get your Bible out. Thank you. Genesis chapter 3, y'all keep me straight. No, 6. I'm sorry. Did I say 3? I said it meant 6. Genesis 6. Okay. So there's certain events and there's certain things that God did on this earth that he did it. He just did it. There was no amount of prayer. There was no amount of works. There was no amount of fasting. There was no amount of anything that could have either stopped it or started it. Okay? So the, and I just picked these out randomly. Okay? There's not, I'm not giving you like the whole, I'm not going to go through the whole thing. There's other times I just picked out some that just came to mind. The first one is the flood. I mean, we see in Genesis 6.13, right? God said to Noah, the end of all the flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence throughout, uh, through them. And behold, I will destroy the earth and make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make it its rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. So he told Noah what to do. Noah goes out and he builds an ark. It takes him 120 years. He's building this boat. Everybody thinks he's crazy. But remember, it took 120 years, Right? Of what God said he was going to do. It took 120 years. Boom. All of a sudden then, go to Genesis 7-7. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wife went into the ark because of the water of the flood. And the clean animals and the animals that run clean, the birds and everything that creeps on the earth, two by two, they went to the ark. Uh, to Noah, the male and female, and, and God had commanded Noah, and it came to pass in the seven days that the water of the floods were the, uh, on the earth. And on the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were open, and the rains on this earth, 40 days and 40 nights. Okay? So my point is, God said something was going to happen. Yes, it was 120 years. And then all of a sudden, that day came. God said, get on the ark. Ark is a type of the church. Get on the ark. Going to be there. And then the fountains of the deep broke up. If Noah would have prayed, God, don't break the fountains of the deep up, it wasn't going to make any difference. Are y'all with me? This is what I'm trying to point out. God said, I'm moving, I'm going to move, and then boom, he did. All right? Let me give you another one. Go to Exodus chapter 12. Okay? 
All the times past, they've been in Egypt for 400 years. They, they've been there. They, uh, all the Israelites have forgotten who they are. They don't remember who they are, that they're sons of God. They don't remember any of this stuff. They just become slaves and bond servants in, in Egypt. And God says, I've had enough. We're going to stop that. It's time, right? Exodus 12, 31. And then he called for Moses and Aaron by the night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go and serve the Lord as you have also said. Take your flock and your herds and, and as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their... their, their uh, I was thinking it was another word there. Uh, took their dough before them. <laughs> I won't even tell you what I always thought I said. This is like a while ago, my wife said, supper's ready. And I said, Freddie who? <laughs> now the children of Israel had done all according to the word of Moses and they asked from the Egyptians, the articles of silver, the articles of gold, the clothing, and God had given the people the favor of the sight of the Egyptians. So they granted them that request and they plundered the Egyptians. So all of a sudden, all this has been, they've been in bondage, they've been here, and all of a sudden God said, it's time's enough. Y'all know the story, plagues happen, all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, boom, one day they walk out of Egypt wealthy, plundered, right? So they were a slave, and then in just a matter of moments, boom, they're wealthy, right? Now, that story's got a little different twist to it because they couldn't handle it because they wandered around the wilderness till they all died because they could not accept the fact, could understand who God wanted them to be. They still had that slave mentality, and God had to get rid of all of them to bring the next generation up. But the point I'm trying to make is when God said he's going to do something, he's going to do it, and nothing is going to make any difference. Are you all with me? Okay. Uh, another one here. Go to 2 Samuel 6. It's a story when David's bringing the ark into Israel or into Jerusalem. And let me just tell you this one. It's, it's there in, in 2 Samuel 6. Okay, so they're going to go get the ark, and they're bringing the ark in. But you've got to understand something. This is, this is some of the saddest times, because they're bringing in the ark of God, the presence of God, but it hasn't been anywhere, okay? You've got to understand the tabernacle was still standing at this time, Moses' tabernacle. It was still there. They were still had the... So there's this old church system still working. The priests are still there. The Levitical priests are still going and doing sacrifices and all, but the ark wasn't there. There was no presence of God in it. There was no power of God in it. So they were going through the motions, but nothing was happening. And so David wants to get the presence of God because he knows if he has the presence of God in Jerusalem, that it, that's going to be the answer of who he is and what he wants to be worshiping God. So they take the ark, they bring the ark in. You know the story. They get it in. David's leaping and jumping and dancing before the Lord, and he brings it in, and he it ushers in a new form of worship. Okay, now all of a sudden the, the going to church meant you're going to go there because there's 24 hours of worship going on. They're all standing in the presence of God, worshiping right there. The ark is there. It's not behind the veil. It's not enclosed. It's not cut off. The presence of God's not cut off from the people, and the people are there worshiping. And David institutes a whole new lineage, a whole new, whole new form of worship. But there was people still probably going to the old tabernacle. 
Because they had already gone to the old tavern. That's just what they knew to do. So they would walk out and they would just go. Every Sunday they'd put their clothes on. And see, too, too many people have been going to church for too long. And they're just going to church because that's what you do on Sunday. You just walk through the doors. You go to church. You put your clothes on. You go eat roast. You eat some biscuits. You go home. You take a nap. You watch some football. And then you go to work on Monday. And that's just their routine. That's what they're doing. But all of a sudden, something's got to change. Something's got to change to where you don't. people aren't just coming. Christians aren't just coming to church because they're just doing it out of duty. All of a sudden, they're, they're coming to church because the presence of God's there, and they want to worship God, and miracles are happening, breaking loose, and people are getting healed and touching, and, and all these things are happening. They're like, man, we got to go to church. We can't wait to get to church. Okay. Okay, so that happened, right? Boom, God did something. Boom, David brings the ark in. Poof, everything changes. Right? Let me give you another one. Let's go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. All right? The day of Pentecost. You have to understand something. And I know that everybody likes to religiously think about all this, but if you go study it and you really look at it, the disciples were in the upper room, okay? And they were been there, 120 of them. There wasn't 12, there was 120, right? There was 120 of them up in there, all the people sitting there. And I can guarantee you they were not worshiping God and singing his praises. They were sitting around saying, what are we going to do now? I mean, we thought Jesus was the Son of God. He's died. He's gone. And they, with this resurrection and stuff, we don't know what the effort. What was the resurrection? What are we seeing? They're going through the scriptures. They're, 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 they're digging through their Bibles, trying to find something about the resurrection and what's going on and what's taking place. And I say there's more panic in them than there's faith. I think they figured any minute that they're going to kick the door down. The Romans are going to take them out there, crucify them. You know, I think there was panic in them. And then so Sunday comes, or their Sabbath comes. I'm calling it Sunday. Sunday came. And so what do they do? They do what they know to do. They go to church. And they're just going to go through church. They're going to go to the tabernacle, and they're going to, or the temple. They're going to go to the temple, and they're going to worship just because that's what they do. They're just good Jewish boys. And so they all get down. Everybody's walking in there. Nobody's expecting anything. Nobody's understood about the day of Pentecost. Nobody's understood about the power of the Holy Ghost. When Jesus says, I can tell you, I can see their faces. Now, when I get to heaven, if I'm wrong, y'all can slap me. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when Jesus said, Terry and Jerusalem to you be endued with power from on high. They all went, yeah, okay. Yeah, endued with power from on high, huh? Yeah. And then Jesus was left, and they were like, wow. And they're like, what do you think he meant by that? And they said, I don't know what he meant by that. Because these are the same guys that when Jesus is doing miracles, they're arguing about which one's the greatest. All right? So they're not, they're not you know, the sharpest pencils in the box, right? So I can guarantee they're just watching, they're going, okay, in due to the power of Roman high, yeah. So they go walking into church that day. They don't have any idea anything's going to happen. They just went to church. They go to church, and all of a sudden, they're like, Henry, you got a flaming fire on your head. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what happened. And so the next thing you know, it says they all start speaking in tongues. Everybody's like, uh what's the clamor going over here? So they come around, they look, and here's the 120 baptized in the Holy Ghost because God said, let's read what it says. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them, divided tongues as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, as I'm preaching this to you, I'm seeing things. I, I, I just picked these things out randomly, but now all of a sudden I'm seeing things. You know, like, you, 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 
And, you know, we've been through, we've been through the charismatic movement, we've been through, you know, Pentecostal movements, we've been through all this kind of stuff, and people see, they just keep, we're sheep. We don't have any sense. We're not very smart, okay? And so, so something happens, and then they build the entire church on it. So everybody got baptized, and the Holy Ghost started speaking in tongues, and so then that became the capital thing. So then everybody just came to church, and so then they just become routinely coming to church, sit in church, speak in tongues, glory to God, hallelujah, we had church, and go home. But they never do really get what God wants to do. It just became a different, is this a pig of a different color? No, it's a pig of a different color. It's not a horse. It's a pig. In my story, it's a pig. I'm sticking to it. I'm preaching, so it's a pig. Are y'all with me? It just becomes everybody is, we're so stupid as sheep. We just keep doing the same thing over and over. And we just go to the next little move of God. And then we're just like, okay, here we are. This is the move of God. It's, it's, it's the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And so that's what we're going to do in church. And so everything changes when we do that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Believe me, I like Paul speaking in tongues more than y'all. So I'm not saying anything against that. But listen to this. Now go to Isaiah 29, 13. 29.13. Now, in thinking about all of this and looking at the church today, and I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about the body of Christ, all right? Therefore, the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Okay, think about that for a minute. So the fear is not a fear of knowing God and you're like, oh man, I want to worship you. You are the king. The fear is like, you're going to burn in hell if you don't change. It's the fear is taught by the commandment of men. So I just wonder how much of the church world today would fall into this category. Is the only reason why they go to church and serve God is because of what they've been taught by their parents, taught by the pastor, taught. But it's no real relationship, intimate, deep relationship with themselves and Jesus. They're just Christians because that's what they're supposed to be, to be a good person. Right? But they're not having the fear of God in them because they know God, and so therefore they worship Him. Are you all with me? Therefore, I behold, therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among this people for a marvelous work and a wonder for the wisdom of the wise men shall perish and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. Woe to those who seek deep to hide their counsel far from the Lord and their works are in the dark. They say, who sees us and who knows us? Surely you have a thing, surely you have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay, or shall the thing made say of him who made it, he did not make me? Or shall the thing formed say of him who formed it, he has no understanding? So God's saying, wait a minute, folks, I created you, I made you, the breath in your life came from me. I breathed life into you, I saved you, I redeemed you. I got you in grace and I'm born again. And I'm going to do something when I want to do something and ain't nothing going to stop me. Now look down at verse 23, Isaiah 29, 23. 
He says, but when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel. These also who erred in spirit will come to understanding and those who complained will learn doctrine. So he says, wait a minute, they're going to see me. When they see me, they're going to hallow me. Let me ask you a question. People you know in life, those that, that you know, your friends, your relationships, whatever, even say yourself, those people that have had an experience with Jesus, something that really touched them or affected them, aren't they? You never have much problems with them. Because, see, they know Jesus, and it changed their life. Myself, when I met Jesus in that barn, about to kill myself, and I, I, I cried out and said, Jesus, you're really real. I want to know you. And the Spirit of God hit me. It changed me. I can't deny that. I can't go back. All the things I've seen God do, the miracles he's done, all the things I've seen God do in life, I can't deny them. I can't go back. There's, there's no place for me to go back to. I got no Egypt to return to. I don't even know how to get to Egypt. Even if I tried to think I was going back to Egypt, it is always so funny because no matter where or what I do in life, I run across people that are, you know, in the strangest of places and just minister to them. Right? Because he touched me. I'm not the same. I can never be the same. I have been as, I am still as excited today as the day I got saved. There's nothing I can do about it. Because I, I met Jesus. Okay, well, how much of a greater experience for every person, every Christian going to church had the same fire, had the same touch on their life, had the same experience of, oh, man, he delivered me. He set me free. Oh, I mean, I come to church. I don't want to worship. I don't care how long the service is. Let's worship God. Oh, man, I don't care. Let the roast burn. I just want to worship God. Right? But you're seated throughout a body. Of, I'm talking the body of Christ. I'm not picking on this church. I'm just saying the body of Christ. You're seated through people who are like, you know, they're just going because of they're the first part. They only learn the fear of God through the commandment of man. They never have had an experience with Jesus. They may be saved. I'm not going to question that. I'm not, I'm not, this is not about they're not saved or whatever. I, that's his business. I don't even worry about that. I just preach and let God do it. And that's the way we all ought to be. Just preach and just let Jesus deal with it. I don't know. That the Holy Ghost is better at it than I am, so just let him deal with it, right? Okay. So, <clears throat> so I have felt, I have felt really... I don't know, uneasy for a while. Not uneasy. That's a bad feeling. That's a bad thing because you think there's, I didn't think there was anything wrong. I just felt like something was going to happen. But I kept asking, Lord, what's going to happen? 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 You know, nothing, 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 nothing. And I, you know, he just wouldn't give me anything. He just said, you just keep walking. You just keep serving me. Don't worry about it. And I was like, you know, so I'm like a kid, you know, like pulling on my daddy's coat the whole time. I say, Dad, what's going on? What's, you're trying to do something. I know you're about to do something. What are you about to do? I want to know. What's going on? What do we need to do? Do we need to prepare something? Okay, so then I started getting scared. <laughs> because, not because he wouldn't tell me, but because I got to thinking, oh, my gosh, he's going to do something big. And are we ready? And it started scaring me, started to freak me out. I started thinking, I started praying, I said, Lord, man, I'm not smart enough to do this. I don't know what you're going to pull off. Man, I'm not smart enough. I cannot do this. Lord, I'm just a stupid country boy that got saved, and it's just you keeping me up there. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to organize things. I can't make this all happen. I don't know what's going on. I got no skills at doing that. You know me. I can preach, and then 
past that. I can preach and build and pass that. Is there much else going on? And so if you want me to, you know, do some, if there's going to be some great revival around here or something like this and for everything like we look in the past and I go through and read and all this stuff in the past, I, said, I don't see how that's going to happen with, if I'm in charge. And then I got thinking, okay, well, you know, maybe you're getting me out of here. I'll go to Guatemala. They won't plant trees down there and grow. I'll dig wells. I mean, whatever you want to do, Lord. So this is where I've been, you know, because I'm been a little freaked out because I'm like, something's about to happen. So um, two weeks ago, after we'd gotten home from, from our trip, I had a dream. And throughout my, my time of being saved with the Lord, I, 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 he speaks to me in dreams sometimes. And so I have this dream. And I, all I can do is kind of paint the picture the best that I can because I was on our, our ranch that, I, that we lost. And my, we were standing in the front yard. And our ranch, we had a ranch house, but then you had to go about three miles up a Cleachy Road to get to the ranch house. And in those three miles, there was about 800 acres of plowed fields that we used to plow every year and plant oats and graze cattle on and everything. And, and then there was, there was uh, pasture land below that, but it was all level. It was all flat until you got to the highway and the end of our property. And then behind us were the mountains, the hills, like we've got here. That was all behind us. And so Laura and I are standing in the driveway in this stream, and we're standing there, and all of a sudden, an earthquake happens. And it's like something I've never seen and it's just, it starts, I notice, I look out, like I'm looking like a mile out into the fields, and they're all freshly plowed, and I see, I see the plate shifting. I see the earth coming towards us, and I see it start to, to build up, and it starts to rise, and it's just dirt falling. And of course, to me, the first thing I'm thinking is like, our field is being torn to pieces. <laughs> and, and so Laura, Laura's there with me. She comes over by me. And we're just standing there, and it's just huge. It just starts, it just, I mean, it's, it's the earth, the whole earth. This is not just like a gopher. I mean, it's a, the earth is heaving, and it starts heaving up, and it starts just getting huge, and the dirt's falling, and this thing, and it starts making and creating a mountain in this, the plate's shifting. It's shifting it up, and it's going up like this, and it just keeps coming, and it's just getting big and huge, and, and we start kind of backing up, and I turn to look at the mountains, and the mountains are sinking. And so it, everything is in, you know, there's the flat now that used to be in the mountains, and these things are heaving up in front of us. And Laura comes over to me, and she grabs me, and she says, what are we going to do? And I looked at her, and I said, I said, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. We, there's nothing I can do to stop this. It's the earth. There's nothing I can do. And then the Spirit of God just spoke to me in the dream and said, that's right, I'm about to do something on the face of the earth, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to pray it in. There's nothing your lack of faith can do to stop it. I'm going to do suddenly like this, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so then I woke up, and I began to meditate on it, and I said, huh, well, that's pressure's off. <laughs> I guess. I mean, 
I mean, it's all upheavaled and there's nothing I can do about it. And so I was like, okay, well, on one hand, I'm a little at ease. And on the other hand, I'm thinking, Lord, this is big. So I didn't share that with anybody for a week. And then I shared it with a couple of people about this dream I had. And then they started sending me other prophecies that people are prophesying about, which I had never seen before. And every one of them was saying there was an earthquake coming. I got three. People sent me three prophecies, and all three said that God's about to make a major shift and there's an, as an earthquake is coming, and it's going to do this, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I said, well, that's pretty good confirmation that, I, that that was the Lord. Okay? So, you know, I keep praying, and I'm saying, Lord, what do you want us to do? And he's like, there's nothing you can do that will stop it. Nothing you can do that will bring it about. Nothing you can do that will change the timing. You know, I don't know if y'all are like me. When I got saved, I wanted to wrap this thing up and go to heaven. I, thought I, could, I, I pretty much thought that five years I could have the rapture taking place because we'd have preached the gospel to the whole world, right? <laughs> and then here I am, you know, 35 years later, <laughs> saying, come, Lord Jesus, come, you know, and so... I had to grow in maturity and learn, you know, God's got his timing. He's going to do what he wants to do when he's going to do it. But I feel within my heart, and I, 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 not that I didn't want to share this, but I just felt like I didn't know when. And then I, I, the Holy Ghost has said, oh, tonight, I want you to share. I want you to get on tape. Because what all we can do is receive it. Okay? All we can do is get our hearts right to receive it because God's going to do it. And what God does, I, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I mean, day of Pentecost, pretty wild, right? And then all of a sudden, what happens? You know, Acts 2.42, they go in and everybody said, know what to do. If you really read, there was nobody that knew what to do. So what did they say, let's do? Let's eat. <laughs> they went from house to house, breaking and sharing bread. They said, let's just go eat. And so they're breaking and sharing bread, and somebody starts talking about Jesus or whatever, and however it works in there, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, multitudes, and there's 3,000 added, then there's 5,000 added, then people just keeps going, and the church is out of line. And then finally you get to Acts chapter 6, and it's all, it, you know, they're trying to get some kind of a hold on it. Now they got some kind of food feeding program going on. They're trying to minister to the people and do all this kind of stuff. And, but it gets overwhelmed. And then what? The great, the great saints that have been born again in the early church, they're all arguing and fighting amongst each other. We're not getting enough food over here. No, you got too much of that. We ain't going to give them anything. But the don't gonna give them. And there's all their murmuring and grabbing already. Didn't take too long. Because I've already told you all this. You know, we talk about like the Pensacola Revival and everybody, you know, looks at the Pensacola Revival and thinks it's great. I look at it as a disaster, to be honest with you. Because if and this is just me being pastor. Because if you go back and you look at the natural things that happened, they had to refurbish the church like five times because it was totally and literally destroyed by so many people going through it. What are we going to do with septic system around here? A thousand people show up. I'm thinking these logistical things. I can already see myself out there with my excavator trenching lines, trying to do something with the waste that comes into this place. You know, whatever. I mean, you got. I mean, it's a problem. It's not just going to be holy. Folks, listen to me. not just going to say, God will take care of it. No, it's going to be knee-deep. 
You can say all you want to, say, oh, it will be a, yeah, but it's revival, yes, but someone has to get the toilets working. <laughs> I mean, it's just those, those issues, those problems, the chairs, the this and the that, and the da 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 that go along with mass revivals. And that's why I've always thought it was funny in Acts 2.42. They didn't know what to do, so they just went and ate. Get some bread out, let's eat. Eating's good. <laughs> Eating is always good. Let's just eat. Have a barbecue. Talk about it. See what happens. Amen. And then God brought it all about. The church or the church was birthed, and it came up from there. Then all the churches went, and the missionaries went out, and went out like that until we are here we are today. But I'm telling you, God's about to do something. And it's going to be something that, that you're not, it's not going to be, oh, you know, pastor went off, and he went to a, a meeting somewhere and got all inspired and came home, and oh, the church is excited right now. No, it's not going to be that at all. It's going to be something that's going to blow your socks off. And I just want to, be in the middle of it, of what God's going to do, ride the wave, see what, what's going to happen. I don't, feel it's, I don't feel like it's the rapture. Don't get me wrong on that. I don't feel like Jesus is coming back and it's all ended. I think it's, I think it's revival to the church and all these people that have just learned the commandment of men and had the fear of God are going to wake up. And I mean, there's times you can read old revivals where... Charles Finney would ride into town and everybody in the town was already on their face weeping and crying under conviction before he ever preached a message, right? And I really believe this with all of my heart that y'all are the key to it all. I believe with all of my heart that y'all are going to be the ones doing all the ministry. I believe the church is going to be the place where everybody comes in this corporate worship. And when it comes together in the corporate worship, I just believe it's going to be amazing. It's just going to be all kinds of manifestations, all kinds of things take place in the corporate worship, but then it charges your batteries to go back out, and as you go back out, all of y'all are out ministering all out to everywhere in the world. Everybody you walk into, you just, you know, people just come walking in the store, get saved. Just drinking a cup of coffee, and next thing you know, get hit by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> there I was, right there in minutes, and the next thing I knew. Drinking me a nitro coffee when all of a sudden the Spirit of God hit me. Had a burrito in my hand. <laughs> Power of God hit me right there. The testimonies be just like that. Are y'all with me? It'll happen, I'm telling you. And it's going to be y'all leading them all to Jesus and come in there. Y'all have, you know, uh, Pastor, I was out this week and I got 50 saved. I said, well, put them somewhere. <laughs> just don't let them go to the bathroom. Make sure they go to the bathroom before they come to church. <laughs> Get the water out of the bookstore. No water. Dehydrate them. Got nowhere to go with it. <laughs> I mean, we've got to do something. I mean, I have. And I guess the reason why that's the big thing on me is because I remember putting in our first septic system, and everybody said, oh, that's plenty. And then... We added on, and then it got bigger, and then it was like not plenty. And then we did the second phase, and then that got to where it wasn't enough. And then we've done the third phase. And so, and around here, it doesn't work so well. Anywho. So, all we can do is get ready, prepare our hearts. And, and I, just believe, I just believe when the earthquake comes, then we're just like, oh, there's the earthquake. Glory to God. 
And then we'll sort it out. Amen? Just put in a few cut gates and sort it out. Amen? So get ready. Keep praying. Keep looking. Because he's going to do it no matter what. All we got to do is be a vessel's servants ready to work when it happens. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. So, Bill, help me. Let's take a prayer offering tonight. Seemed like there was something else I was going to tell you. Hmm. Well, praise God. Yeah. Ivan said tonight, he said, we were going to start really doing, trying to do more and more there in Kenya. And so he always is pushing me. He's, you know, like, let's go. Uh, you know, I want you to go over there with me. I'm like, dude, a long ways over there in Odell. I mean, so now I got him into if he can get me a hunting trip in Tanzania. Because if I'm in Africa, I might as well go to, on a hunting trip. I want one of those English hats, rifle on my arm. Seriously. Well, you know, when I was in London, I was all, I was all, you know, I went to Holland and Holland. I don't, I, that's the premier gun manufacturer in England, in case you don't know about Holland and Holland. And what Holland and Holland is famous for is making double rifles. And a double rifle looks like a shotgun, but you have to have some really good craftsmanship because, you know, they put a single bead, just like a shotgun, double, a double barrel shotgun, but those both barrels have to be totally, completely perfectly lined so that you just look down the bead and you can hit your target. And so I, I you know, because y'all know me, I'm kind of gun crazy. And so I uh, have always researched it and looked at it. And so it takes two years to have a rifle made for you at Holland Holland, two to four years. And you go and you actually go to the place and they take all your measurements, all your body measurements, all this kind of stuff like this. And then you tell them the caliber, you tell them what animal you're going to be hunting, you they set it up for the, the shell, everything, so that everything is coordinated with that double rifle. So I went to Holland Holland to just look at them, right? Kind of believing and hoping that somebody would just say, are you Robert Richards? I listen to the water hole all the time. Come in here and whatever you want is yours today. And it didn't happen, but still, it was a good hope. Because their double rifles, this will freak you out, their double rifles start at about, the cheap ones on the low end, about $85,000. Go up to like $165,000. Highly engraved things, so I had to go there. And, uh, I was like drooling. <laughs> the whole place was so expensive, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even buy a cap in the place. So I just acted like I knew what I was doing. I said, yeah, just, just happened to be walking by. Thought I'd come in and see what the store looked like. Oh, what is this place? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I don't know what that had to do with anything. <laughs> Kenya, thank you. I got completely off that thing, taking up the offering. I got so far off. That's unbelievable. So anyway, they're going to beef that up. We're going we're to try to do some more for Africa <clears throat> this next year. And so he's going to get that all plotted out. Send Jimmy and Mabel my stead. It is a long flight. Anyway, put your hand on your off and let me get out of this.
Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, these are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. I declare, Lord God, that their businesses prosper. I declare that everything they put their hands to prospers. I declare that their jobs, their, their livelihood, their everything that you got, Lord God, they're, they're, even if it's a, some, some retirement fund they're not even thinking about, Lord, you bless them. Bless them exceedingly abundantly beyond they could even think or ask. Because, Lord, this church is a given church and a blessing church because we love to do it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.